Hello, and welcome to the DC Fempreneur Podcast, a community to connect local DC area female entrepreneurs by providing support through networking, collaboration, and professional events. Collectively, we seek to combine and share skills, knowledge, and expertise to help impact and grow their businesses to make them more purposeful, profitable, and sustainable. Hello, and welcome to the DC Fempreneur podcast. Today's guest is Kimberly Artley, founder of PackFit, author of the celebrated book, My Dog, My Buddha, and has been described as the Mary Poppins of dog trading. Her background of nutrition, human psychology and behavior, and life coaching paired with canine psychology, behavior and training, blends seamlessly together to offer the most effective approach and results for a wide spectrum of canine challenges. So welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much, Lisa. (laughs) So um, I have known you 10 years Mm -hmm. or maybe even longer, Um, but... uh, you know, as a multi-passioner, your words, um, you've dabbled in so many different things, you know, with nutrition and your, uh, I remember you had like a line of, um, health foods at that one time when Mm -hmm. you were like preparing things and Mm -hmm. juicing and all of those, uh, the green juice. Um, but you know, your true life's work has always been packed fit or a form of it, maybe even before it had its name. So even though I have known you forever and ever, um, I would love for you to tell the listener who doesn't know how PackFit came about. Wow. Well, um, it started with uh, my own challenging dog. Uh, His name was Lobo. Um, I'll see if I can nutshell the story. So I was was married at the time, and um, I was very much an outdoorsy, kind of gal and he was the complete opposite of me he was really indoorsy and I basically got tired of asking him if he ever wanted to leave the house (laughs) (laughs) and go for a walk or or something so I I got a dog and um I mean I'd been an animal lover my entire life like I surrounded myself with animals when I was a kid I was always bringing home like birds with broken wings and (laughs) um you know kittens with like pussy eyes and just uh, you name it my box turtles that I quote unquote safe from the road, which by the way, if we ever see a box turtle crossing the road or a turtle crossing the road, don't ever pick them up and take them elsewhere. Cause they live in a very, very small radius. So, um, what we should do is just pick them up and put them on the side of the road in the direction that they were heading Yeah, because they get completely disoriented if we uproot them. So anyways, um, so yeah, so I, I had, um, yeah, I'm, my mother had the patience of a saint, but I just, I, I've always gravitated towards animals. Um, but so Lobo, um, was getting exposed to a lot of, a lot of things when he was with me, I was learning as I went. Um, I was doing a lot of the things that I always, uh, knowing what I know now, I would discourage a lot of people (laughs) from doing, um, (laughs) Uh, but you know, he was, I was always taking him to the dog park. I was, you know, we were always meeting and greeting people on leash outside. Um, but he was also getting exposed to, uh, I was, he, because he was with me, he went everywhere with me. He ran all my errands with me. Um, sometimes he went to, to school with me and, and hang out. We'd, I'd do my homework on a picnic blanket and he would wow. hang out with me. 
Um, but he was constantly get, getting exposed to like different people, different dogs, different scenarios, different environments. So he was a really uh, well-rounded, um, well-adjusted and, and balanced dog too. I mean, we were hiking together, jogging together, just doing everything. Yeah, wow. Um, and you know, funny thing though, he, he never really had a, he never really warmed up to my, to my husband at the time. He didn't, they know, Yeah. <laughs> but when, um, when the divorce went down, it was like a switch flicked in, in logo. So even the dogs that he used to play with, uh, were, he was high risk to have around. He would, mm. uh, go after them really aggressively. Um, he, it was, he challenged any person that got within our, um, you know, with any, within arm's reach. Yeah. Um, so I, I started, uh, he started experiencing like a lot of behavioral issues and challenges. And I had, um, we had uprooted and moved to a new place. So that came down. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, a, something different. And then my other dog Tucker came into the mix as a puppy when he was fantastic with Tucker. Um, but that was a new ingredient, but so who was once a well-adjusted, well-rounded dog, all of a sudden became highly aggressive, overly protective. And in my mindset at the time, and this is a very common mindset with people, uh, when it comes to behavioral issues with their dogs, it was Lobo with the problem. It was Lobo that needed fixing. It was Lobo that needed training. It was all Lobo's fault. It was Lobo, Lobo, Lobo. I didn't know then what I, what I know now. Um, and I hired, I think I went through six or seven different trainers. I spent thousands of dollars I did not have. Um, and while he was, he was a well-trained dog, they were just harping on obedience and just popping him full of treats. Um, so they were teaching him a lot of cues and commands, but he was still behaviorally, uh, he just, he, it, it wasn't right. He wasn't, his behavioral issues weren't getting any better. They were actually getting a lot worse. Mm. So even though he was a well-trained dog, he was still not a well-behaved dog. And there's a big difference there. And there were a lot of pieces of the puzzle and a lot of ingredients that the other trainers either weren't aware of, they didn't think to look at, they didn't address. I don't know. Um, he went through a two-week board and train program. That was my last-ditch effort. And he responded really well to the trainer when he was there. But then as soon as he returned back to me, he went right back to his old behaviors. So there's, I mean, now looking at it, that's a major that's, that's a big piece of information. Um, but I didn't see them what I, what I see now. And his story, um, he ended up biting somebody pretty, pretty badly. And, uh, he ended up losing his life and I, it took me years, um, to even be able to speak about that story without mm-hmm. really, um, uh, getting emotional about it. Yeah. But just like, you know, I, I tell all of my clients, you don't know what you don't know yeah. until you do know. And then when you do know, you can make different, you can make tweaks and adjustments and shifts and changes. Um, but he, that, that, that experience really put me on a path. I wanted to figure out all I, all, all I could about all of the ingredients that those trainers missed, what was not being addressed, what was not getting looked at, what were they not aware of? Why after, after all of that time and all of that quote unquote training, why was he still behavior? Why were we still having issues? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that led me to, uh, years later, 
Um, well, of course I was still learning through my own dogs, but that also led me to go train under Caesar Milan, um, out at the dog psychology center in California, which was an incredible experience. There's um, such great pictures of you with where you're leading that pack on those. I, it's my favorite picture. Uh, Oh, the one with like the, the 12. Yeah. I think it's a picture dogs. inside of the book cover, isn't it? I think, yeah, I think it might be. I, I, I love that picture. Yeah. I think it's really great. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was beautiful out there. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, so that experience happened and then that was, that was actually really when, um, pack fit all came together because I, I knew that so much of dog training and behavior has to do with the human end of the leash because, I knew that we, I mean, we are their primary source of information in this world. You know, they, they are looking to us for, uh, what to do for how to feel in every given situation and scenario. They're looking to us for their cues their commands or directives. And, uh, a lot of us, I mean, um, a lot of us are sending our dogs, uh, mixed signals, you know, our, our body language is saying one thing, our energy is saying another. Um, our vocal inflection, pitch and tone is saying another, our verbal cues and commands are saying another, how we're holding the leash is saying yet another. So there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of mixed signals that dogs are getting and, um, it can often lead to frustration just for remaining in a constant state of confusion. Mm -hmm. Um, so was that the missing element for all those trainers that you work with? So they were focusing on Lobo's behavior, but they were not talking to you about the messages and signals you were sending to him. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I kind of have to give a nod. I know not everybody's a huge fan of, of Caesar for whatever reason. Um, but I have to give him a nod to, for, for kind of putting quote unquote dog training, like on the map, mm -hmm. you know, when, yeah. when he's, you know, now every American knows who he is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, his work, like, and this ties into my background of, you know, life coaching and, um, human behavior and psychology and all of that, because so much of dog training, especially when it comes to behavior has to do with the human end of the leash. You know, it's, you know, their, their dogs are not born understanding what we consider to be appropriate, polite, respectful behavior. They're just, they're, they're not, they're not born understanding the rules and boundaries of the home. Mm -hmm. They're not born understanding. It's not cool to use people as springboards Right. You know, like it's, <laughs> I have a scratch on my knee to, show, to, uh, <laughs> yeah. to prove that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but so the onus falls upon us to teach them all of this, but we don't, you know, the, the majority of us do not speak dog. There's a massive language barrier that exists. And again, we're, we're sending them a lot of mixed signals. So streamlining our communications and bringing everything into alignment, um, uh, and you know, as far as intention and delivery goes really, really plays a big part. Um, yeah. So learning how to communicate effectively, learning, becoming more aware of, uh, what type of information we are constantly sharing with them because we are always in dialogue with them. Everything, everything's a conversation. So, um, just becoming more aware of that either there is a, there is a, um, like a self-awareness aspect to it that, that really, so you talked a little bit about, um, these, you know, elements or no, no, you said ingredients Yeah, ingredients. about like you moved into a new home. There was a, a new puppy that had joined your household. Yeah. Um, you were going through like an emotional time and, you know, I divorce. was a holy wreck of a person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like hierarchy, uh, positioning 
in the animal mind is, is really big. It's really, really big. You know, like the, the social, the pack structure, just like with a, a human family structure, you have two parents um, as heads of the household. They meet and provide for the rest of the needs of the dependents, the kids. They set and reinforce the rules and the boundaries and there's structure and there's discipline. And, you know, we make sure our kids get the appropriate type of nutrition and, um, you know, activity. They go to school for brain training and mental stimulation and engagement. And um, there's socialization. They're getting exposed to other kids and learning what's what's cool behavior, what's not, what's appropriate, what's not. So, you know, all of those things, it's it's still... We're a social species of animals as primates mm-hmm. and as canines, they're also a social pack oriented species of animal. And their, their pack uh, structure is not very different from a human family structure. So you have an alpha or a mating pair of alphas as heads of the pack. They provide the structure, the rules, the boundaries, discipline, if and when needed, like all of that stuff. So the, the structure is very, very similar. Um, so what happens if the dog realizes that he's essentially following somebody or is supposed to take rules in his household from somebody he doesn't view as strong? That's where we start. That's an excellent question. That's where we start to see a lot of um, anxiety. It really depends on, because there's, you know, a dog, they're, they're going to bring, um, they're going to come into this world with a certain disposition and set of characteristics you know, some, some dogs are more introverted, some are more extroverted, some are extremely sensitive, some not so much. Some are, you know, a little on the, on the shy side and timid side. Some are really boisterous and gregarious. And, you know, some are really self-certain and overly confident and just full of themselves. Yeah. There are others that, you know, are just kind of like wallflowers or just. So they're um, like people, they have their own personalities. they, They do have their own personalities. Um, so yeah, what was what was the question? Well, I was kind of picking up on um, that point that you made. Well, I was combining the story about Lobo. Oh no! Um, oh, and thinking about how um, you know there was the behavior issue with um, you know that probably he was resp- why he beca- he became aggressive was. Yeah. He was learning to protect you, right? So you were not in a place to lead him. No. Um, So he was, he became aggressive and he became your protector rather than you protecting him, right? So you were, um, he didn't see you anymore as his leader. This is, yeah, this is a very, very far from instinctual world that we're living in. And um, we, we are the ones that are responsible uh, for teaching them and equipping them and guiding them, advocating for them. Um, and because, because I just became this nervous, anxious, holy wreck of a person, I didn't just slide out of position. Like I face planted out of position and I, I was just, I was a mess and I was no longer in his, in his, in his canine dog mind. Um, I was not a source of energy and a source of information that he felt safe and secure mm-hmm. following. So that created a lot of um, anxiety in him and frustration and uh, insecurity and all sorts 
of, of stuff. And that's usually what's underlying a lot of the reactivity and aggression um, behaviors that, that we see. And dogs, dogs that have people that they don't feel need protecting will not be protective, if that makes any sense. Um, but again, we, we live in a really far from instinctual world. And when a dog is put into a position that uh, is basically requiring him to lead, when they're, when they're forced to lead in a world that they don't instinctually understand, that again can create a lot of frustration and anxiety and stress and all sorts of, all sorts of things. So, um, you know, he, it was, it was really, it was really unfortunate, but, um, you know, he was, he was a, he was one of my greatest teachers and he just, I, every, every client that I work with, um, I mean, he, he lives through the work that I, that I do every day. So he was essentially the basis for your book. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, he's the reason I, I do everything that I do. Uh, my dog, my Buddha, it's, um, it blends dog psychology, human psychology, dog behavior, human behavior, um, and into, uh, what I call it's a hundred different life lessons, mm -hmm. uh, that dogs are here to teach us. So, uh, things like, um, be the parent, not the friend. Um, what we allow will always continue th those types of, and I, I, I infuse, um, you know, dog training tips and, um, uh, pieces of behavioral information and, and tips in there. You know, when you came out with the, when the book first came out, um, and I went to your book signing yeah. and I bought the copy and it's signed, I'm going to have to hold on to it. So when you make your, you know, your first million, I can say, look, <laughs> I have the original. But now that I actually am a dog mom, because when I bought the book, um, I wasn't, yeah. but now I actually have a reason to read it because, um, you know, as a, a dog mom now, um, I have my own set of challenges, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure, like you said, it comes with so many different things that like we don't really understand the signals we're sending. We don't, um, understand how we come across. Like, I hope that my dog Bella sees me as, somebody who's going to be her advocate and not her that has to protect me. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I'll have to do, um, some work with you and, and read the book, but, um, Hey, if you're, um, if you're ready, some of our callers, um, left messages for you mm -hmm. with actual live questions, um, about their dog. Um, and I think it would be super fun to, we'll play, the the question uh -huh. and then we'll record your your response okay um and then i guess we'll just kind of continue to see where it goes okay sounds good hi this is melissa i'm calling about bailey my golden retriever um she's very sweet doesn't have behavioral issues except i think she's got some anxiety issues particularly in terms of sound she gets really freaked out about any high-pitched noises, and it causes her to paw at us anxiously, or and then she'll go up and hide under a bed, even if it's just the tiny little chirp that you hear when your um, alarm, your fire alarm, is needs a new battery. And it seems to have gotten worse, 
and um, I think every time the sound happens, it seems to be worse and worse. So I'm wondering if there's anything we can do to help her become a little bit less anxious about things. Um, thanks a lot. Hey, Melissa, thanks so much for your question. That's, that's a really good one. Um, I, I've, I do have a couple of um, questions. When it, when it comes to behavior, um, there's so many ingredients that uh, feed into it and influence it and impact it in various ways. Um, but the, the first few things that came to my mind uh, was whether or just how, how sensitive your dog is. There are some dogs that are highly, highly sensitive and they um, they get triggered very quickly and very easily by uh, sound, by movement, um, uh, any, anything like that. So um, in order to, well, another thought that came to my mind was what she's gaining when she's reacting or practicing those behaviors. And what I mean by that is this, there's a saying in the dog training world, we get what we pet. Um, dogs are a, primarily about two things. They're whatever it is they're gonna gain through practicing something and what's going to ensure their survival. They're really simple creatures in, in that respect. We know she's gonna survive, so we don't really need to look at that piece of the puzzle. But that if we turn our attention to what's what she's gaining when she's practicing those behaviors, is she gaining affection of any, any kind? Is she gaining attention of any kind? Is human nature to comfort someone in struggle uh, through touch? Um, we bring them close, we protect them, we um, use a soft voice, tell them it's okay, and um, and what have you. So, um, but in the in the canine mind and in the dog world, when we show affection, when we pet, when we uh, nurture um, a dog's response or reaction. Uh, to something in, in any way, we are actually reinforcing it. So I'm not sure if that's what's going on here. Um, but if, if you are trying to comfort her in that way, when she's reacting, you could actually be reinforcing uh, her reactions and actually strengthening it. Um, and as far as uh, how to deal with it, I mean, there is counter conditioning, you can, um, uh, you can get an app on your phone, uh, that, that does a lot of different sounds like fireworks or fire truck sounds, sirens, or um, the fire alarm beeper or what have you. And you can pair it up uh, with something very positive and, and pleasurable for her. So you start to um, you start to flip the association, so to speak, that she has with that particular sound. And it actually, she, um, it starts to trigger a, a different reaction and a different feeling towards it. So usually people's go-to are food or treats. So if she's really food motivated, it really depends on the dog. Some dogs are more food motivated than others. Some are more ball driven or toy driven than others, but try um, pairing it uh, using the app and finding a sound that you can play and then pair it up with uh, play with a toy, with a piece of food or whatever, um, and see if you can't uh, start to develop a, a new and different association with it. So what about the part where Melissa says that the dog like goes and runs and hides under the bed when this happens? Like, yeah, that's, um, that's, they're just removing themselves from 
being near it or having to hear it or they're just kind of drowning themselves out. Yeah, well, out. you know, I got to be honest. I mean, it freaks my dogs out too. I told you I ripped out all the fireworks yeah. in my house because <laughs> I could not get them to stop chirping for the life of me. Yeah. So um, I still have to put them back. But um, yeah, I mean, there's if you have a dog that is highly, highly, highly sensitive, mm-hmm. they're going to they're going to have stronger responses to things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, I mean, that's, there's dogs have a lot of different drives. Like I was talking about earlier, food drive, ball drive, toy drive, what have you, but there's three main drives. There's pack drive, prey drive, and defense drive. Defense drive includes fight, flight, freezing up, uh, hoodwinking, or completely avoiding something that makes them uncomfortable. So, I mean, she's sliding into flight. She's sliding into defense drive. She's going into flight. Um, one way that we can, you know, the only way to actually deal with a fear is to lean into it. Mm -hmm. So you can come out the other side of it. If you keep running away from it, you're never going to move through it. And, um, it's always going to have dominion over you, so to speak. And it's the same thing for dogs. So essentially she can, um, prevent the dog from fleeing and, that's over time the, yeah the leash comes into play yeah um, oh, but so, that's the thing is you yeah. don't you don't know if your dog's typically not walking around the house with a leash dragging a leash around mm-hmm. uh i mean it's you, you don't know when your when your alarm's going to start chirping mm-hmm. again you know yeah so um i mean there's there's a way like i was talking about earlier there's a way to you know invest the time and energy and counter conditioning her to the sound um you know, I mean, we can equip a dog and work with them ahead of time doing that, or we can just respond, uh, in a, you know, a cool, calm manner. Yeah. Um, and you know, maybe try if she has a slip lead or a leash or whatever, she can get the leash around her and try to, um, guide her out from underneath the bed. But, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of di- different dogs are going to require different approaches. It's not just, you can't really generalize when it comes to behavior. So, yeah, I think she said that there were, um, the dog was, you know, relatively well behaved, but this is something that yeah, she recognizes just, that, um, Bailey is sensitive. So, yeah. um, but I, I think that, you know, maybe these are, um, at least initial, ideas for her so thank you kim for uh taking the time to answer that question we have one more okay so i'll play that and then um we'll talk a little bit more about how someone can um find you on the web and talk about some future things that you're working on okay Hi, Lisa. Hi, Kimberly. This is Jennifer Crawford, and I have a dog named Meatball. Meatball, we rescued a couple of years ago. He's a five-year-old Dogue de Bordeaux, or French Mastiff. He weighs 140 pounds, and we have a hard time socializing him because he's so big and so difficult to control by virtue of his size. And when he meets people, his go-to move is to be very mousy. um, And people get very intimidated by that, understandably. So I just need some advice, like how can I possibly socialize him so that when people come over, we don't have to put him in a room, which is difficult because he can open up doors with his mouth. Anyway, any advice would be appreciated. He's a wonderful dog. We adore him, but we would just like to be able to to not have to um, not have people come over because we have this 140-pound beast. Hey, Jennifer. Uh, 
first of all, thank you for rescuing. Um, there, there are so many dogs in, in need of homes. So um, I applaud you all for doing that. And secondly, Meatball is such a fantastic name. <laughs> I love that name. 140 yeah. pound Meatball. Wow. Um, okay, so uh, the, the mouthiness. Um, is this, my, my first question is, does he do this uh, just all the time or is this something that he does when he's overly aroused and excited? Um, there, I said earlier in the podcast, I mean, dogs, they don't, they don't understand what we consider to be appropriate versus inappropriate behavior. So the onus really falls upon us to teach them this, but there is that language barrier and that, um, there's a way to communicate with him that he will understand. And there's a way that we often communicate with them, which they don't understand. So what we don't effectively disagree with automatically gains our consent. So I usually encourage people to, um, well, first of all, if there's something that creates any kind of discomfort, anything that you guys don't like, it sounds like this could be it. Um, you need to find a way to effectively disagree with it. And there's, you know, different, different dogs are going to respond in different ways. Um, we need to find something that is, uh, relevant to him and meaningful enough to him. Everything has a positive and a negative consequence. So if the, uh, if the consequence in him doing something that you don't like, isn't meaningful enough to him, um, one, it's going to be just kind of like we're nagging. Uh, but two, it's just, we're not going to get our point across and you know, it's just going to end up creating a little more frustration on, on y'all's end of things. So I usually tell people to um, choose a sound that comes really naturally to them. You know, for me, I'll interchange the, you know, sound that Caesar <laughs> makes with the, ah, ah. the, I, I, my go-to is usually though the, the, ah, ah, cause I think it's a little sharper and a little more cutting and it's not so much the sound um, that gets them to stop as, as it is the energy and the intention behind it. Cause I can sit here and be like, ah, 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 ah. Uh, uh, uh. And then, or uh, conversely, I can I can go. Ah, ah. There's a different energy behind it. There, dogs, dogs know when we mean business mm -hmm. and when we don't. Just like kids. Yeah, I snapped right to attention when you said it like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So did Bella. <laughs> so I usually I usually encourage folks to choose a sound. Um, and and when, when they use it just to, to, to really mean it, like, this is not up for debate, knock it off. This is, this is not cool with me. Yeah. Um, and, and not to hyper repeat because when we hyper repeat ourselves, um, it's not coming from, it's usually coming from a, a space and a source and a, a, a place of frustration and impatience. If the dog's just not getting it and then we start to get louder, um, we should actually do the complete opposite, you know, just say it once and really mean it just like with kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, say it once and really mean it, give their brains, uh, just some time, some seconds to like turn it over and see if they're either going to comply or if they go back to doing it again, then, um, you know, just stepping up a notch. But, um, but yeah, so there's that. And, uh, if this is a, a state of mind, which usually when it comes to behavior, state of mind is one of those ingredients that is, uh, a, a common one. 
Um, any behavior is, uh, a state of mind is fuel for any given behavior. So if you think of it in terms of zero to 10, um, zero being really cool, calm and collected and 10 being the, the highest amount of arousal and excitement. It's what I call no man's land, like around a nine or 10. It's very, very difficult to reach a dog when they're already in that space. So there's this sweet spot. Uh, calm is between zero and five. And there's this, this spot when there's, when dogs are, when they cross over the, the five threshold and they start sliding into six, seven, eight, nine, ten, they're loading up. And it's that window of opportunity, that space in between a five and a nine that we have to take notice of rising, escalating states of mind and nip it in the bud and de-escalate them. So, um, so if he, if he starts getting really mouthy when he's overly aroused or overly excited, you want to take notice of him when he's loading up to, um, to nip it in the bud before he starts, um, using his mouth. So, um, let's see, I think that's, that's all I've got for that. But when, in terms of state of mind, when, when we, when we can learn how to effectively manage and control their state of mind, then we control the rest of the body because the body always, always, always follows the mind. So what can they do? So like, let's say Jennifer has somebody and this applies to us all, yeah. right? So we know someone's coming. Yeah. Um, we know, I mean, you don't even have a doorbell on your house for a reason, right? Like, Oh no, um, my, actually when I got my house, it wasn't, it wasn't working. Oh, all right. I didn't know that. I just thought you have one on purpose, but so, um, we know that when the doorbell rings, the dog is going to start barking, barking. Yeah. We know they're going to react. So like, what are the steps, not just Jennifer, but all of us mm -hmm. can use so that we're, they're not we want to cut off this excitement that this new person mm -hmm. that's not in their pack mm -hmm. um, is getting ready to enter their home. Mm -hmm. What can we do before that doorbell rings to prepare the dog for, hey, we have company coming. You're going to have to um, adjust. Like, how do we handle the whole situation of, hey, someone's coming and that as soon as that person walks in the door and they start immediately rising from five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. So before we even have to, you know, put them in another room or put them in their kennel. Like well, that's the thing is if you put them in another room, you're not teaching them. You're just, you're, you're, you're excluding them. Mm -hmm. uh, and they, they never learn, you know, it might be a temporary band aid. It might be a, you know, like a band aid to the problem. Like they stop barking if they're in the other, well, actually they, they might actually get hyped up even more if they're removed from the situation, they know that somebody's coming in, but they're blocked off and they're isolated, mm -hmm. you know, and they're excluded from everything. So they might just start barking even more out of yeah. frustration. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, we, we, we want, like, there's inclusion and exclusion and dogs that are included, um, they're, they're, again, they're, they're exposed. You know, we, we have to teach them through exposure. We have to teach them what's appropriate and inappropriate. Um, but this also, like, our... Our level of expectation has to be in direct alignment with our level of effort. So if we, if we, like, if I, if I wanted to work with, um, you know, my dogs on this, I would recruit somebody to come by my house every single day for 10 to 15 minutes. And I would have them ring the doorbell. Mm -hmm. Then I would work with them. I would equip them. I would teach them again. This goes back to learning how to effectively communicate. So it's, it's easy to give tips, but without giving someone a visual, 
and like seeing me like use the leash, the leash is a direct means for communication, teaching the language of the leash. Even when we take clients with aggressive dogs or very, like there's various issues that we work with. Teaching the language of the leash is the first thing 99.9% of the time that we um, dive into because uh, using the leash to communicate is a game changer and how effective we are with our communications. The leash is not just for attachment when we leave the house. So should we put the dog on the leash before we know someone's coming? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and if you, if you tell your visitor, Hey, I'm going to work, I'm working with my dog. If you don't mind just hanging out for like a, a minute or two while, um, you know, I'm, I'm teaching her what, uh, what's okay. What's appropriate behavior when somebody comes into my house, when someone enters the house you know, but use the leash to, um, to teach boundaries, to communicate, uh, um, you know, to, to, to manage and control her state of mind. There's a number of things that you can do with a leash. It's not just to keep them from running away when you're Yeah, outside. it didn't occur to me to, um, to leash the dog before yeah. a, a person comes. Yeah, well, when, when, they're, when they're attached to us, one, they're under our control. We have more influence over their choices, mm -hmm. over their state of mind. Um, if they, if they run it if they slide into defense drive whether it be fight flight whatever it is that they do we can use the leash to to prevent that um but yeah i mean using the leash is is man learning how to use the leash effectively is a game changer okay wow that is really helpful okay so but i mean you have to practice it you have to i mean if you have neighbors or friends or kids that can go outside and ring the doorbell then you can use the leash and, you know, if they start to, to load up, I mean, dogs have a natural internal alarm system. They're mm -hmm. going to bark. Yeah. You know, typically they're, they're going to bark once, twice. That's great. But just don't live in that neurotic headspace. That's what we don't want. Like the nuisance barking. Gotcha. Okay. Well, um, I mean, I've learned a lot just by listening. <laughs> um, but so for other than just, you know, Jennifer, who called in, and, and Melissa, who had their questions. Yeah. Tell us Thanks how... Thanks for your questions, guys. Yeah. Um, tell, tell us how the other people who have not been able to directly give us uh, a very specific example that you can address. Um, tell the people who are listening how they can contact you if they have their own questions or how they can work with you. Oh. Well, we've got a website. Um, it's www.packfit.net. P-A-C-K-F-I-T dot net. Uh, there's a contact form there. Uh, we also have under the work with us tab, there's uh, the PackFit library that has um, articles that I've written. It's got some interviews that I've done um, that they can listen to. Um, and, well, let's see, the, the Facebook page. And really, I, I share a lot of content uh, pretty frequently on the PackFit Facebook page. Um, just to get information out there. Um, and you can also email me directly uh, at Kimberly at packfit.net. I think that's about it, other than the social media channels. Yeah. Um, okay. So DC Fempreneur, obviously, we focus on showcasing and highlighting local DC area entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. But in the event that we have a listener um, that is not based in our area. Mm -hmm. Is there another way that someone can work with you? Oh yeah. Yeah. We do distance training and coaching. Um, uh, we'll, uh, gosh, technology these days. It's, right. Right. It's brilliant. Um, so luckily, luckily for us, we can, we utilize uh, technology when we're working with distance clients. 
Um, but, and we also have a couple of, uh, well, we've got the canine essentials online course, which is super comprehensive. Um, it goes over, oh gosh, the human ingredient, structured walking, uh, nutrition, um, uh, language and communication and breaks all the body parts of a dog down, uh, because every single body part of the dog is giving us really valuable information as to what their current emotional state is. So learning how to read a dog is really critical in learning how to best advocate for them, you know, how to, how to advocate for them, how to, how to communicate with them, um, what, what they need in, in any given moment. Um, so we go over that and there's activity sheets that you can, that they can download and, and print out and, um, stuff like and, that. And, and you have workshops like all over the U S and international. So like, tell us like, um, if you can plug a couple of upcoming classes or events that somebody can, um, can attend. Yeah. There's, there's one, there's one, uh, workshop that I'm hoping to, uh, get underway in the fall, uh, that'll be in Herndon, Virginia. Okay. Um, so that's, that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we're going to cover, I, I teach the four elements of dog training, uh, which is foundational relationship building, um, which is really, really important. No dog training protocol or program is going to be effective unless relationship exists. Um, and then state of mind conditioning, obedience, which is strictly just brain training. It's subscribing meaning to verbal cues and commands and behavior shaping. Um, teaching the difference between appropriate and inappropriate. Um, and I'm also linking up with uh, other trainers that specialize in uh, search and rescue and more vocational type training. Um, even if we have dogs that are not uh, necessarily working breeds of dogs or whatever, um, dogs crave opportunities to problem solve, to put two and two together, to use their brains, yeah. use their noggins. And a lot of dogs are just bored. They're frustrated because they're so bored. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. they, they spend, I mean, think about it. The, the typical pet dog spends most of their time just sitting at home, uh, you know, waiting for their people to get home from work. Mm -hmm. And then when we get home from work, most of us are too tired or exhausted to worry about like, you know, working with the dog, training the dog, teaching them a new trick or working with them on a command and, yeah. or even just walking them, you know? So unfortunately a lot of dogs are getting the short end of the stick a lot of times. And that's nice why. Pun. Huh? Nice pun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See what you Fantastic. did there. <laughs> um, but you know, and it's, it, it's really unfortunate. So, you know, coming up with uh, different, different ways for them to, um, you know, if you have a, a certain breed of dog, uh, like uh, uh, corgis, uh, or Aussie shepherds, border collies, uh, German shepherds, you know, you've got these working herding breeds of dogs that are living as quote unquote pet dogs. Yeah. And they are frustrated because they have, they were bred, uh, for certain characteristics. They were bred to, um, perform very specific things. And, they don't have an outlet or a channel to that's exercise That's why corgis that. like nip at heels or that's why yeah. they, they're, they're trying to herd you, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you're human, but they're, they're like, Oh no, my job is to herd you. I mean, even after hundreds yeah, of years control of, and manipulate the environment. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there was a, an Aussie shepherd. I'm so thankful that her people um, started taking her to a sheep farm 
a herding farm. Like it's a couple hours away. I think I saw yeah. that on your, yeah. on your page. Oh man. So awesome. And she knew exactly what to do. She had never done it before. Not never, not a day in her life. Oh my gosh. And she went in there and she just like instinct took over. And, but it's, it's like, it's such a release for them. It's like, finally I get to do what I was born to do. Yeah. You know? So like, just think of it this way. If, if Maya Angelou was never, if she could never write and express herself or if Monet could never paint or, um, you know, if Whitney Houston could never sing or it, like we're dogs, dogs are born with certain gifts and they, they're born with, um, just, you know, they're, they're just, they're, they're born with certain things that they, they're here to do. And when they don't have an outlet to channel that, they don't have an outlet to release that they don't have, um, they're not able to be themselves. Essentially it does breed a lot of frustration and anxiety and stress. And we do see a lot of behavioral problems that stem from that. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of behavior is so fascinating to me. Like there's so many ingredients that, that impact it and, and that contribute to a, like a, an issue, a problem. There's what I call classroom behavior, which is more performance-based behavior, like teaching obedience commands, um, agility, vocational stuff. It's like you, you're, it's more brain training. And then there's real world and functional behavior. That's, uh, more involved with like developing a dog's self-concept and world concept, like how, how good they feel in their own skin, how good they feel in the world around them, what their place in it is. Um, you know, whether or not they feel comfortable, they, they have a human that they feel comfortable looking to yeah. and, and following. Um, so there's, there's those two different types, those two different categories of, of behavior. Um, but anyways, um, yeah. So I think that was really, really helpful. I mean, it's very, very clear uh, to anybody who ever meets you or listens to you for five minutes that you're incredibly passionate about what you do. Um, so again, thank you, Kim, for, for being here today. Um, and uh, I think it'd be super fun to have you back. Um, I would love to try to scrape together a few more questions. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm hoping that... Uh, when Melissa and Jen hear your response, maybe they can like comment, elaborate a little. Yeah, yeah. they can yeah. Uh, kind of answer that qu those questions that you have, and maybe yeah. create that dialogue. So, um, and if thank they have you. Any more questions um, about you know even what I said, or if they have other comments, anything that they wanted to add to it, we can expand on it next. Yeah, time. I think that would be great to kind of keep the conversation going. So, um, thank you again, Kim, for being here, and thank you all for listening. And uh, we will hear you and see you again soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye, guys.